in the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Curious Dimension podcast, where we discuss sacred geometry, ancient civilizations, esoteric texts, and what I consider to be the biggest story in human history, UFO disclosure. Today's intro is going to be a little bit longer so that I can give some context to what we will be discussing with our guests. Today, I'll be speaking with former libertarian candidate for the governor of Illinois, John Stewart. John is also a former pro wrestler former business owner, and has now said he retired. For the last five years, John has done a self-funded investigation into the 1997 Area 51 alien interview film. This is a little under three-minute section of film that allegedly shows an alien being interrogated at Area 51. I know that sounds wild. This film was originally aired on TV in 1997 and was released by Rocket Pictures. So this footage has been around on the internet for a long time, but I think most people assumed it was fake with some hardcore believers saying it was 100% real. I don't know if this piece of footage is real or not. I do think that it would have been possible to fake this in 1997, but I'm not sure if it would have been monetarily worth it as we will get into during the show. The whistleblower who came forward with this tape known only as Victor and is now dead had only come out publicly three times, once during the original release of the show in 1997, once on the Art Bell show in the same year, and one more final time in 2008 with Jeff Broadstreet in the Santa Monica Hills. I will put links to all three of these in the description below. A few key points that we discussed during this interview are the Wilson Davis memo, the late retired U.S. Army Sergeant Major Robert D., Richard Doty, and Colonel Carl Nell. The Wilson Davis Memo is a 15-page set of meeting notes between astrophysicist Eric W. Davis, Admiral Thomas Wilson, where they discuss a secret program within the government to reverse engineer UFO crafts. The late retired U.S. Army Sergeant Major Robert Dean was an insider whistleblower who spoke out publicly on the UFO topic for decades and a well-respected researcher in the field. Richard Doty was a former Air Force intelligence officer who has spoken publicly on the discovery of alien life and UFOs. Colonel Carl Nell, whose CV is extensive and amazing to say the least, is a retired Army colonel, current aerospace executive, who was the Army's liaison for the UAP task force from 2021 to 2022. I'm not going to get into all the different degrees and high-level positions that he has held, because that would take a whole podcast in itself, which they may do one day. I think it is significant to add that in an article published in June of this year in the debrief, Colonel Coronel stated that what David Grush has said about reverse engineering technologies from non-human intelligence is fundamentally correct. So that is a little overview of some of the key name aspects that we don't dive super deep into during the interview, but I thought it would be a good idea to give some context. So what I want to do now is show a quick clip of the alien interview 
so that people know what it is that we are talking about. And then we'll get right into the interview with John Stewart. So if you're listening to this, you might want to switch over to the video on YouTube. I will also put a link in the description so that you can watch the full alien interview. And so without further delay, here's a clip of the 1997 alien interview followed by my interview with John Stewart. I'm great. Great. It's great to have you on, John. Um, nice Thank to see you so much. You. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really appreciate you doing this. Um, you don't have to thank me. I probably thank you. Thank you for okay. having me on. <laughs> I wanted to just go ahead and uh, give you the microphone for a couple minutes and let's yeah. explain to people who you are and then we can kind of get into the the footage and I've got some photos pulled up and we can we can kind of go from there. Great. Hi, my name is John Stewart, 56 years old, uh, born and raised in the uh, far northwest side of Chicago. Um, I'm a former high school, college, semi-pro football player, but uh, my my biggest uh, crown is that uh, I became a professional wrestler six months out of high school while I was still at Memphis State playing football. And I was a professional wrestler all the way up until around 2012. And on and off, and also a small businessman with my family business, which uh, now I'm semi-retired. I also ran for United States Congress. I ran for Illinois governor for the Libertarian Party. And I was a fill-in candidate, replacement candidate on the ballot for uh, Illinois Secretary of State last uh, November. And uh, for the past five years, I have uh, done a professional self-funded uh, investigation with complete journalistic integrity about a very strange and bizarre documentary released in 1997 called the Area 51 Alien Interview. Now, this is not the crazy CGI ones that you see on the internet. This is a very bizarre, unprofessional-looking uh, video that uh, everyone calls the forgotten alien tape. And uh, this this bothered me in 97 uh, just for the uh, the sincerity of it, the unprofessionalism and the casualness of it uh, from being in uh, doing commercials, having tons of friends in Hollywood and being in production and in the entertainment industry. I knew something was not right with this video, meaning that this couldn't be this bad to be allowed on network TV. Um, somebody could not have made uh such an unprofessional video meaning no cuts people getting in the way of the camera just something that you wouldn't do if you were going to release this on television and uh five years later uh i sit here before you telling you that um unless an army colonel can provide me the original you know video or 16 millimeter film of this being hoaxed in a studio i'm here to tell your listeners and viewers that uh Folks, get ready, uh, because David Grush, uh, an agent of the government with a Q clearance, told you six months after I was telling the world that the United States government 
for lack of a better word, for lack of a better definition, as outlandish as it sounds, that the United States government since 1947 has had an extraterrestrial retention and interrogation program. And uh, proven it based on the fact of, you know, again, journalistic investigation and still not one credible person coming forward saying, Mr. Stewart, I've got, I've got, I've got evidence uh, that, that disputes your claims. It has not happened in five years. And let's and just, uh, let's just explain to people forward, what project it is. Is that, and that, that's project Aquarius you're referring to the re alien right. retention program. Is that correct? Okay. Yeah. Project. Right. Fine. I just wanted to clarify for people that, you know, these things have names. There's a paper trail that goes back to stuff as, as wild as it sounds. Did you want to get right into the video and talk a little bit about Victor or where do you want to go from here? Do you want to kind of well, talk about I, how yeah, you got just, involved with it? Yeah, I probably think like just, uh, let me just do a, just a real brief, um, okay, you go. Uh, scope of, yeah, mm -hmm. of, of, you know, so I, uh, it's 19, it's the start of COVID. I've had some free time on my hands that I don't usually have. I'm a workaholic and I don't say that to be, I don't say that, uh, probably. And, um, this video was bothering me because a producer from California called me and that I had worked with before and said, look, we need some cheap, quick documentaries. I was throwing out ideas. And one of them was this video that has always bothered me since 1997. He said, ah, it's, it's going to be way too complicated, way too, in, you know, way too thick uh, and, and sticky. And boy, was he prophetic. And uh, so it stood on my mind. So I was in my car one day in my driveway in my home. And I said, let me just prove something about this. Because, folks, I went at this to prove that it was a hoax, which is what scientists do. You, you go to disprove your theory, not to prove it. And then in the attempt to disprove something, you, if you end up proving it, well, then, lo and behold, there is your thesis. That's, you know, that's been, uh, that's been the norm in, in, in science uh, for uh, decades. So I went to prove that this was a hoax. And I said, you know, something is physical in this video. There's the, uh, this being, you have two medical people that come into it to attend to it when it's in a coffee issue, a respiratory issue. You have two military people that are, their shoulders are in the foreground. They're actually getting in the camera view of this alien, which was called a thought projection interview taken in 1999. And it had a bizarre monitor to the left of the beam, our right, that just went up and down. It did not go across the screen. And that always grabbed me as completely bizarre. And so I took the footage of that, that monitor alone. And thank God for the Internet, I found three Ph.D. fellows that were doing their thesis on the complete history of physiological monitors. They wrote, I won't go into long stories. They wrote me back, Mr. Stewart, we have never seen this before in all of our, you know, one year, two year thesis investigation and in history we've never ever ever seen or heard of a monitor that just stays stationary and and so on and so forth that wasn't good enough for me you know when you're a journalist you want two or three sources i called space labs and hewlett packers these were the companies that were making physiological monitors back in the late 80s and 90s and uh, hewlett packer wrote me back and said we've never seen anything like this before we're sorry we can't help you but you know, we've never seen it, draw on the drawing board or anything. I get an, I get an old engineer on the phone um, uh, uh, at, um, at Space Lab. This is in Space X, uh, Elon Musk. This is Space Lab. They, they build the heart monitors, monitors for, for the space shuttle. Is that correct? Yeah. So they, made the, okay. they made monitors for NASA, Space Lab. What a better place to go to. Now, remember, right. four people, experts, have told me we have no, we've never seen this before in our lives. 
and this is a supposedly a second-rate video production company that might have hoaxed this. So the old cranky guy at Space Lab said, um, I've been doing this for 40 years. I've never seen it. I've never heard of it. I asked him, I said, you ever see it in a conference room on a drawing board in conceptual uh, ideas, you know, spitballing with other colleagues <clears throat> at a trade show? He goes, no, I've never, ever, ever seen this before in my life. And I'm like, well, thank you much, very much for your time. And he said, but you know, it, it might be one thing. I'm like, yes. He said, it might be a one of. I said, okay, what is a one of? He's like, well, in science or any kind of um, situation where you have a problem you want to address and there's no device to help you solve the problem. Let's say if you wanted to look for gold in 1929, <laughs> you would develop a gold detector. I'm just being glib here. He said that might be a one-off, was something that they built especially for this purpose. And he said, this is a government video, correct? And I said, yeah. He goes, well, the government's infamous for, for building special devices like this. I said, sir, would you build a special physiological monitor for an off-planet biological being that didn't have the same heart, lung, uh, organ, makeup in their thoracic you know, ver uh, area of their body? Didn't laugh at me, didn't hang up on me. He said, yeah, that's exactly what you would have to do because it doesn't have a normal heart or however you said, like a human being. So you'd have to create a special monitor. So in about two hours in my car, two hours of this investigation, I had uh, gotten some startling information that, um, that it, it, they said it looked like a real monitor, that it was uh, coinciding with the creature's coughing but that, that these four experts in the world, okay, had never seen anything like this device. Now, I hope people can appreciate, I am maybe the only ufologist investigator that will tell you the devil's advocate, the flip side of the story too, the other possibility. And uh, I'm not denigrating any researcher, but this is one of the caveats or one of the tenets of my research. Let me give you what other people said. I talked to special effects people who said, well, of course, it's never been invented because it's not a real physiological monitor. Okay, that's, and it's called window dressing. It's to hook, you know, and I'm going to use Yiddish terms here. You know, it's to give chutzpah to the, to the film. It's, you know, to give it more effect. And they said they, they could have taken a wire, pressed it against two panes of glass, had a laser and, and jiggled the laser with their finger and bounced it up and down. We did the laser experiment. We took a laser, bounced it against the, the, the glass. It didn't have any of that vibrance. Uh, we certainly didn't take the, the, the little fiber optic that they claimed that you could do and do that. And then we take this video uh, to a video expert who did the Patterson-Gimlin Bigfoot film for National Geographic. Again, I'm trying to go to the top of the food chain of experts. Don't say he's the only expert, but... He said, look, I can't tell you if it's, it's, it's fake or not, you know, it, but there's two things. Did you know that the physiological monitor isn't a, just a pane of glass with two brackets? He goes, it's actually bracketed by metal and there's a little indentation in one of the brackets. And I can pull like that picture up real quick. Like a bullet cartridge. Let's pull and, that picture uh, up real quick. So we've got that. You should be able to see I, that I, here. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. So here we go, ladies and gentlemen. We're thinking this is just a pane of glass because it's a cheap hoax. And the video production expert tells us, no, 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 no. This is a bracket. It's got a fin 
on top, which you can see on the top, right in the middle of that red circle is a bullet casing protrusion. And I just want to, uh, I just want to um, ignite people's simple thinking here. If you're hoaxing a video, you know this monitor is most right. going to be not seen because it's going to be dark or, or grainy in the room. Why would you pick out metal bracking that has indentations and a fin and make that little cartridge protrusion? I, I just seemed the extra work to me seemed nonsensical. And the video expert said, this, you know, this looks like an actual device. It's got a cord coming from it. And, and again, not definitive, but kind of casting doubt on his, on his own colleagues who said, oh, that's, that I could have done that, you know. And if I could skip forward by just one for one second, folks, every special effects person tells us, oh, we could have done that. We could have done that. Nobody's done it. Nobody, well, we, I've, I had a guy, I could do that in two days in my garage. Well, why wouldn't you do it? You'd be the hero of the UFO world. We could probably do a documentary. You know, it's ridiculous for people to just, right. you know, just throw out the, the egos that I have faced uh, with special effects people. I've been a pro wrestler. Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair don't even compare to the egos of, of special effects people in Hollywood. I hate to say it, but I want to be truthful to your, to your viewers. So I had some information. I also had an interaction with a United States Senator on the bottom of this film is DNI slash 27. And Victor tells us in the documentary, DNI is Department of Naval Intelligence. You can't re research Department of Naval Intelligence. Most people will tell you it doesn't exist. So in 1999, just thinking about this film, I asked a United States Senator who was in the Navy, what the Department of Naval, there you go, what the Department of Naval Intelligence yeah, was. This happy-go-lucky senator turned to me with this aggressive look and said, you don't need to know anything about that. So why are three letters on an alleged hoax video pissing off a United States senator? That is not making sense to me. And the Department of what year is that? Also this was 1999 when I ran for, when I first ran for Congress and Department of Naval Intelligence okay, also appears on Bob Lazar's W2 pay stub. So yes, it does. let's go to the, yeah, let's go to the DNI section. So I have a friend who's an author. He also happened to be a Navy in the United States Navy, an aviator. How about that? Caught him off guard. I texted him, Michael, is the Department of Naval Intelligence real? He said, yes. I said, I want to be clear. I'm not talking about the office, O&I, of Naval Intelligence, the department. He goes, I know what you said. All right. He said, I know what you wrote. Yes, the Department of Naval Intelligence is real. I'm like, why can't I find it? Here it was, the first bombshell. You're never going to. It's an agency buried in the O&I, the Office of Naval Intelligence. And I said, well, what, what, what is their function? He said, well, to be, to be brief... They're like the CIA spooks for the Office of Naval Intelligence. They are the special agents, the spies, the covert operatives of the Office of Naval Intelligence. I'm like, okay. I said, how do you know this? He said, well, they tried to recruit me before I went to Naval Aviator School. So I do recaps, if you don't mind, for your audience. Yeah, yes, so, go ahead. This alleged hoaxed video was put out by a second-tier video production company who was marketing a... Chevy Chase, Caddyshack-esque comedy golf video at the time when Victor approached them. So this, you know, second-tier video production company has developed a physiological monitor that has defied experts in the physiological monitor community. 
they have somehow figured out that DNI is real and put it on the bottom of the of the film. Um, I mean, none of this is, about, is making sense. About the two seven, two seven Yankee White. You want to talk about that? Yeah. So the two seven twenty seven. Yes. Yeah, so it's a it's a perfect so DNI slash twenty seven. So we go further on the chain. And 27, this is from five years. I can't figure out what this is. Victor says it's a catalog system. And everyone, all of insiders are like, no, 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 no. It's something more. I'm seeing a Linda Moulton Howe documentary. 27 is on the page of every Ronald Reagan briefing paper in 1981 as he's being briefed about extraterrestrials. And I'm like, wait a minute, 27, 27. Then I see another documentary, which they confiscate the security clearance a list, cosmic magic, and the bottom of that top of the top of the clearance, security clearance, is 27. So I call my military intelligence person who has been helping me. I said, what is 27? And he said, well, that's the security designation, Yankee White. I'm like, what is Yankee White? He said, well, John, Yankee White is a umbrella terminology for anyone who has contact with the president of the United States. I'm like, can you unpack that a little bit? He said, sure. If you see, if you have a briefing folder in front of you, it's got 27 on it and you don't have the security designation 27, maybe you have, you know, 26 or 18 or whatnot. You have to put that folder away. You can't see it. You can't read it. If you see a, a film or a video that has 27 or higher on it, you have the clearance of 18. You can't watch this film. 27 is specifically for people that have direct contact with the president of the United States. So remember that as, I, as I'm going to go to the next section here. And, you know, I am completely freaking out at this point because how could a screenwriter, if this is a hoax, can you imagine in 96, before really the internet gets started, screenwriter knowing that 27 was the highest or what was a security designation for someone that, um, that met or had contact with the president of the United States? Because I'm going to tell you how it all, it all folded in that the screenwriter could have never have known. So I go on the Jeff Renz program because I, I have information, but I don't have knowledge still. I don't know anything about this. And I know that in the UFO right. world, people have been contacted who wrote books or go on TV or radio or podcast or, 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 or whatnot when they are in investigation. And, and a lot of times uh, insiders feel if they can trust them, they send them video, they send them film, they send them documents. We've heard about this all the time. This happens. So I thought, let me give it a shot. So I go on the Jeff Rents program. He's an alternative website. And lo and behold, 10 days later, I start getting an email from a man. Caught you on Jeff Rents. You know, you, you sounded sincere. You know, um, you got some things right. You got some things wrong. And I'll forget this line. If I, I met, you said, I have dealt with the agency that has deals with the extraterrestrial issue. Uh, it's the De Defense Intelligence Agency. They've been doing it since the 60s. If I can give your investigation a nudge, I will. I'll never forget that line. And once a month, this man would email me. Um, this man would email me, you know, questions, just how's the investigation going? I later found out kind of a wade process. He was, you know, he was feeling me out. Can we trust this guy? Is he a goof or, you know, whatever. Okay. And so remember the 27th. So on my birthday kind of a public figure. I guess you could figure out my birthday, but on my birthday, I get from Maybe. the horse's mouth. And I want to be very specific. This insider sent me an email from 
person inside the Defense Intelligence Agency, okay? So I was forwarded an an email sent to him. And the email sent to him was a retranscribed document or a retranscribed email of the internal investigation about the theft of this film from Area 51. But they didn't call it a theft. It was called an unauthorized viewing, which I thought was very military, you know, very watered down military type speak, you know, something that an idiot like me could never, you know, figure out. But it says the date of the film, April 22nd, 1991. It tells the classification of, of, the, of the alleged gray, who's actually tan with round eyes, that this was called the other gray. Uh, he was a haploid, which means he only came with one sexual chromosome. He was a male for all intents and purposes. He was not a placenta. I, I, mean, to, I mean, to interrupt your flow here real quick. Sure. Can we just go back real quick to that email. So he sent you an email, he forwarded you an email from someone else within the government. And within that email, it was, it was documentation about the removal of the tape or was it the tape itself in the email? No, I want to be very clear. If you can talk about um, that. Yeah, it was not, uh, I did not see a classified document because I don't want to go to jail. What I saw was Somebody from the DIA looking at the document, the, which, which was an internal investigation of how this film leaked out, and then that person transcribed it on the email to my contact. And it, and, and it was funny because when I got the email, horse's mouth, there was a FWD colon. You know, he forwarded it to me, which was not good because I f- saw the other email of the other persons. Just, I digress. So this was a retranscribed internal memo investigation of the theft of this film. Who was, who was in the viewing gallery watching this interview, the date, the time. Um, So I I told you the date, I told you the classification of the bean. And um, it, uh, it said that, uh, and we always, I always figured out I could prove this is a hoax because Victor says he took it out of S4. You don't take anything out of S4. They weigh you in the nude when you go in. They weigh you in the nude when you leave. They measure the contents of what you ate. That's a fact. You're not sneaking a thumb drive in the crack of your buttocks. I'm sorry. It's not happening. And I'm like, that's how I'm going to prove this is, a, this is a hoax. Well, I was wrong. I finally found, after 25 years, how this left. It was allowed to leave. Remember in the movie Ocean's Eleven where they let the money go out of the casino because they thought it was the, the bank vault, you know, the, 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 the Brinks truck people. Well, the, the, I think the, 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 the memo and the investigation clearly said when the interview was terminated, a United States Air Force cameraman was escorted back to the Groom Lake Photo Lab, not Area 51. I think a hoaxer would have wrote that. The Groom Lake Photo Lab by right. a United States Air Force police officer. How would you like to be in that 15-minute car drive back to, to Groom Lake once the, after filming this, this video? Three days later, not that day, not that three days later, two copies of the film were made. And I know that when the copies were made, a DOG, digital overlay graphics were applied. That's where you get the DNI 27 because you have to put the security clearance on the bottom of that film. This is standard operating procedure in military filming, military media. And the second copy, three minutes of it, was placed in a GSA burn bag. I didn't even know what GSA meant. was. It's the Government Services Administration, and they do all a myriad of things for the government, like maintenance and road and road building and 
and government auctions, you name it. And in the burn bag, this is how the burn bag was then placed when it was outside into a gym bag and this a gym bag. And this is how it left Area 51. Now, folks, the outside perimeter of Area 51 is draconian. Inside Area 51 security is U.S. Air Force military police security, at least back in 1991. I have talked to five people who have been on Area 51, radar people that were experts that were there for radar application, other military people. They all said the same story. Yeah, the security inside, some days they check your pockets, some days they wouldn't. Some days they check your purse, some days they wouldn't. Some days they check your purse and your briefcase when you came in. When you were coming out and it was maybe, you know, late in the day, your briefcase would get checked, but not your purse. My point is, it was not this draconian stripped-down search to leave and enter Area 51 like it was S4, S2, and... um like it was coming, like it was in the perimeter. So that's how the film left the base and kind of just proved that I thought this was a hoax. So John, maybe I could just interject here real quick, just to kind of recap for the audience. It gets filmed and then uh, it has to go over to Groom Lake. So the, the tape leaves S4, alpha, S, S2 alpha, is that where it was? Oh yeah. The, the other thing, and I'll quickly, quickly say, cause it, 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 it's not a, it's not a matter that I need to go 20 minutes into. We have also yeah. uh, have proved and found out that the actual housing, the alien housing complex for the extraterrestrial interrogation and retention program is actually called S2 Alpha. And then beneath the S2 Alpha building and its lower sublevels is S3 and the famous S4. So this film was filmed in S2 Alpha. So go ahead. Sorry. Okay. So it leaves there. It goes over to Groom Lake to be uh, cataloged or to put the uh, the DNI insignia on there. Um, and Correct. then from there, is this where Mr. Yeager, is he the one that helped Victor? And then they went, um, and, and then from there, Well, I wasn't it supposed left to say names, but yeah. Area. So, yeah. Oh, sorry. I so thought you had already, I thought well, you'd already right. uh, given right. that name out. That's before. all right. Oh, I know. That's all right. Uh, I have. So <laughs> the report says that, that Joseph Yeager, yeah. yeah. Joseph Yeager helped um, helped Victor uh, sell the film to a third party. That's what it said. He helped to sell the film to a to a third party. Now we've went through ten Joseph Yeagers. Um, uh, we believe we found the real one living in Nevada. Uh, he hasn't answered any of our calls and whatnot. So the, now the investigation in January we go to Nevada. But yeah, so he the he, when we. Forever, I want to say this. I thought Victor was Joseph Yeager. Okay, I'm like I did it. I I solved this this riddle. Uh, Joseph Yeager is not Victor. I want to publicly say I've got it wrong. I thought it was, and I jumped the gun. But Joseph Yeager is not Victor. His girlfriend, uh, any of his family members, even though I know a lot about the one Joseph Yeager that I thought was him was Victor. He's not him. So, anyways, we can so now. They look bottom towards the bottom of the email. So it leaves it leaves S2 Alpha, goes to the photo lab, it, it escapes Area 51. I love that word, in a burn bag. And five years later, Victor approaches this second-tier video production company, calls him up out of the blue. This has been verified by the CEO, verified by the director, Jeff Broadstreet. A man called us out of the blue, said, I got a three-minute videotape of an alien being interrogated in an underground government facility. So, you know, I can tell you that 
Victor is not an actor. And everyone told me, well, if you prove who Victor is, you prove the video. So Victor's not an actor. Victor was a government employee who was retired when he approached Rocket Pictures. Kind of just having that's all a his in a row, I believe. Excuse me? And that's a fact, right? It's a fact that he was a government employee. They vetted him. Rocket Pictures vetted him, correct? Jeff Broadstreet spent two, two weeks vetting him. And it's funny because an, uh, an intelligence asset who didn't really know anything about the film said there was scuttle. Listen to me, folks. You know, there was scuttlebutt amongst her intelligence group. You know, every truck drivers, pro wrestlers, we all have coffee clutch groups. He said, I remember back in 96, there was scuttlebutt that some director in Hollywood was putting the pedal to the metal trying to vet uh, Victor, who took the film out. I'm like, you I'm like, well, that's, it kind of backs up. So here I have a military intelligence asset who doesn't even know the director, verifying what the director told me. And that has happened so much in my investigation where two people from opposite ends of the universe say who don't know each other and don't even know what I'm investigating say the same thing. You know, that cohesion was bizarre in this investigation. And, and uh, so... So Victor comes to the to the uh, studios uh, of Rocket Pictures, and um, he says that Fox and other major networks were unable and unwilling to protect his identity, and and Vic and uh, Rocket Pictures, you know, said yes, we will do whatever we can to protect it, and like his personality on the original documentary, and then like his personality, he did a publicity radio interview for an hour and a half on the Art Bell Coast to Coast show. The director said, okay. I can tell you a couple of things about him. He didn't have a driver's license. He didn't drive to the, our office in Beverly Hills. He took a cab. He seemed to be like off-grid type guy. Very nervous and a, quote, major pain in the ass. And you could see this in the in the original documentary, the Art Bell Coast to Coast interview. The guy's, you know, he's just a jerk. That comes across. You know, very specific. That he's comes across. arguing really. for a couple of minutes. Yeah. Well, we had an FBI, a retired FBI, go over the testimony and two office police officers from the Reed School of Lie Detection based in Chicago here. FBI, two police officers. Here's what they said. That Victor displayed uh, 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 characteristics of a whistleblower. He used dark humor. His, his speech and his pattern uh, was that of, of someone who was nervous. Um, the FBI, a former FBI uh, agent said, that he used a, a checking, which is correcting the interviewee, correcting the other person. And most of the time, liars just want a smooth conversation. They don't want any speed bumps. And the FBI agent was floored. He's like, this guy is going to this radio interview, this actor, let's say, this alleged hoaxed actor. He is arguing for a minute and a half that they gave him the wrong number. He starts arguing with this ufologist, Sean David Morton, that Sean David Morton was incorrect on a paragraph of his monthly uh, newsletter. I mean, you know, just, you know, bizarre stuff that we all felt, ex the experts felt, there's no way this was an actor. And the director told us that, right. it, that he wasn't an actor. He was a government employee. So let's go back to the memo, to the investigation memo. So now my hands start shaking. These were the military people in the viewing gallery like a surgical gallery watching the thought projection interview. Didn't call it telepathic, thought projection interview. Apparently, these beings throw and produce the 
the thought in your brain, you don't even have to, you come into the room and you would hear, I'm just paraphrasing, oh, I know what question you want to ask me. Well, here's the answer. That, but they called it thought projection. So I get a list of names of men. Now, and we don't want to put that list of names up, right? Because I've got that. Please, so we, don't, I, I will go okay, over we two won't names. put that list up. Okay, we're not going to do that. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, thank you. I will go over two names because they are, they are no longer with us. So the first name is a, um, a military intelligence with the Army. I Google him, uh, and he was with TRW when the film took place. I'm like, well, this is a hoax. I call Sean David Morton, a UFO ufologist. He's like, TRW? Family work for TRW. It's like a black arm of the government. That, that, what you're also that referencing the Wilson Davis memo. Uh, I think on page 15 of the Wilson Davis memo, it's referenced in there as right. well. So if anybody doesn't know who that is, I'll, I'll put a link in the bottom to the Wilson Davis yeah. memo. You can check that out. But again, you know, I'm not a ufologist. TRW, I'm in, I'm in the car business. I'm thinking it's credit reporting company, which they they did at, at which is really weird for a government spook agency to also be form a company that collects your data. Just think about that. But anyways, well, I'm like, wow, he's uh, he's still alive too because I have a program that you know can research people. Now we go to the next person. It's really interesting, folks. Listen to this. Forget the film. Listen to what was sent to me. So the next name is a um, is a, a vice admiral. I Google him. I'm like, holy cow, he's dead. We look. Remember the 27 contact with the president of the United States, Admiral Edward Schieffer, nicknamed Ted. What did he do in 91? He was Colin Powell's chief intelligence liaison, meaning when Colin Powell, who was head of the Joint Chiefs in 91, would go into the Oval Office, he would have Edward Schieffer with him, Jr., sorry, and he would be the man that would be handing documents and files to Colin Powell as he was talking to George Bush. Ladies and gentlemen, hence the number 27 on the bottom of this film. This film was directly being directly disseminated to Colin Powell or to George H. Bush back in 1991. That's why there's 27 on there. So we kind of proved that Victor really didn't realize what that cataloging, that system was. Yes, it was kind of a cataloging, but it was a cataloging security designation. So I go to the next person. Again, another live person is on Wikipedia. I go to the next person, Captain of Naval Intelligence. Okay, I'm, I'm jumping the gun. Captain of Naval Intelligence. I Wikipedia, he retires a vice admiral in 21. I told my invest, one of my investigators, Chris Jackson, it's a hoax. They, they've got it down as a captain of naval intelligence. Intelligently, my investigator goes, isn't this investigation from like the mid-90s? I'm like, maybe, yeah, 91 to 93, 4, 5. He goes, well, don't you think right. back in the 90s he was just a captain and then retired 20 years later? And I'm like, oh, my God, that 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 doesn't it's a hoax at all. I email him. I get his email. Let me repeat this because I don't want to mince my words. I email him. And I'm a disarming human being. I think people can see that from my personality. That's been my one of my hallmarks of my investigation. I make people feel at ease. I make people feel they can trust me. I put people, you know, in a, in a uh, uh, I don't come to at them aggressively. So I start emailing this vice admiral who was watching this interview in 91. And we're going back and forth and, you know, don't, don't call me Admiral. Call me by my nickname. Here's my nickname. I don't wear the uniform anymore. That was a specific quote. I'm like, Jesus, this guy's being informal. 
I start joking with him because we had like three or four emails. I joke with him, look, I really want to come to Virginia where you live. I heard that these gas stations have this incredible fried chicken. You know, he laughs back. He's like, yeah, I've had it. And he goes, if you ever make it to Virginia, I, folks, I, I mean, this is, this is, this is, this is the interaction. You know, if you ever make it to Virginia, yeah, I'll take you, take you to get some fried chicken. We'll get, you know, fill up, we'll fill up your car and we're, you know, we're laughing. So the fourth email, he said, look, you, you mailed me, you're doing a documentary. What's the documentary about? I write him back. I'm like, look, Admiral, please just, you know, my, I've had militant relatives in the military. My dad was in the Navy. My godfather died in Vietnam. When I ran for Congress, the military and veterans was the top of the pyramid of my platform. Please bear with me. This was just sent to me. And I said, Tim, I sent this Admiral who was ran the DIA an internal investigation of the DIA. He ghosts me. He doesn't email me back. I wait three days. I email him. No answer. I wait three weeks. You know, Admiral, blah, blah. You know, are you mad? I, I, you know, I, this is just something I would ghost me, ghost me, ghost me, ghost me. Has never contacted me since. A military person told me an interesting anecdotal story very quick that most people in the military are honorable. And if they are honorable, they usually won't lie to you. What they will do is ignore you. And that's what happened to me. And I told this interaction to three or four military people. They all said the same thing. He caught him with his pants down. He's right you back. He's not going to put his foot into his mouth that he didn't, um, you know, that he didn't, uh, that, that he wasn't there. This is crazy. I'm nuts. He would, we would all say nothing. We would not write you back. And I asked, I said, maybe can we just recap the, this little oh, Go ahead. So, so just, just to recap real quick before you keep going with this. So yep. you had a list of names from, from your source, from your whistleblower. This, in, this individual's name was on that list. You found him, you emailed him, and you built a little bit of rapport with him over three or four emails. And then he's like, okay, great. What's the documentary about? And then you kind of lay it on him. And then he goes incommunicado forever. Right. Is that where we're right. at? Okay, yes. sorry, go ahead. So I give, I give his email to Dr. Sala of ExoPolitics. This Dr. Sala was a, he just had, took care of disputes between countries, very respected. I think he was a professor at University of Tennessee, emails him and says, you know, I want to ask you some questions this and that. Emails Dr. Sala back, you know, proving to Dr. Sala that I you know, wasn't lying. It's a real human being. And he's like, you know, I just, I don't wear the uniform anymore or whatever. I, you know, I'm not involved in, in, in the DIA anymore. And I really don't wish to answer any questions, you know, pertaining to that. So Dr. Sala was floored, like, wow, this, you know, this guy is real. He did ghost you because he emailed me. Why wouldn't he email you back? So let's get into the meat of this. Now, there's a doctor, um, and this leaked on the internet, Craig McPherson. I thought it was a doctor in Connecticut. He actually is a deep state guy that was basically lived at Los Alamos in Area 51. Linda Moulton Howe interviewed him in 1995. Um, even the report was unsure of who he was. It said scientists with a question mark. So, um, you know, they weren't even unsure. And, and of course they didn't know who, what he was. He wasn't with the military. So I had another insider tells me that goes, that bears out what, you know, you would, every time you have a person's name and you're in a report, you have to designate who they are. Are they a general? Are they this or that? Or, and so, um, it just said scientists with a question mark. 
So again, another real person who was involved basically in ufology for lack of a better, lack of a better definition. I go to the next person. He's a doctor with a nickname. I find where he, where he, uh, how he died or, you know, what state he died. I find his widow. I want to repeat this. I found the widow of allegedly the doctor to the alien's right to our left who comes into the room to help the alien and talk to his widow. Her very short name, let's call her Kim. You know, you're telling, you're going to start telling an 80-year-old woman that, yeah, he's on the, he's on the alien's right, our left. That your husband was involved with extraterrestrials. I was very uncomfortable. So I said, um, look, this came across my desk. I just want to ask you, do you think this is possible? I can't find anything about your husband. There's a pause. She doesn't hang up. She doesn't laugh at me. He's like, well, that's very interesting, John. A light bulb is going off over my head. Like, what? He's like, well, it's been a, a dark secret in my family. I'm like, is this happening? He's like, what I mean by that is my husband, she used his nickname, never, ever, ever spoke about his time in the U.S. Army Medical Corps. Folks, I never told her U.S. Army Medical Corps, but that was on the, the memo. You know, his name, his nickname, doctor, U.S. Army Medical Corps. He said, what is the medical course? She's like, well, that's who trains the doctors and that's their, that's their division that they belong to. She said, John, let me tell you a quick story. When we have lots of people in our friend group from Vietnam, World War II, Korea, she said they all have humorous stories about boot camp, a drill instructor, or maybe the town that they were stationed in. Everyone always asked me and everyone was curious, including me, why, used his nickname again, my husband, Never, ever, ever spoke about anything to do with his time in the military. Never. He said, John, we would have fights about it. Like, what are you hiding from me? I would tell him. Imagine me hearing this on the phone. I'm expecting this woman to laugh at me and hang up the phone. He's telling me that her husband was secretive. Let me, let me just stop here. Victor, in the first documentary, says that the medical staff, this is a quote from 1996, the medical staff cho is chosen at Area 51 and at S4 and S2 more for the ability to keep secrets than their medical knowledge. And then you have this wife 30 years later saying, my husband was, you know, secret squirrel, you know, the cartoon character. She didn't say that I'm using a metaphor. So I couldn't believe it. She's like, I said, can I send you the film? I send her the film. I call her back in five minutes. She's like, that's my husband to, the, to, the, to our left. I said, let me, let me, let me verify. That's your husband, his eyes and nose, the bridge of his nose on the beans, right, our left. She's like, that's my husband. So I have a person fingering her, the, a medical doctor in the, the room. I have a memo that says he was in the room. You know, I really could have stopped there at my investigation, but I didn't. So the, um, uh, so, you know, so I have all of this and I'm like, and then it, said the vocations of the telepaths. There was two telepaths and it said their vocation. I won't go into it. Um, and, uh, you know, and then it said that Wendell Stevens, a ufologist, Victor eventually, after the rocket picture thing, gave the, the, the film, the 16 millimeter film to Wendell Stevens, along with a cache of documents that said the United States uh, investigation into extraterrestrial biological uh, beings it had uh, photos of autopsies, documents, uh, you name it. That we have never, has never resurfaced. But then we heard that there was a FBI raid on Bob Dean's safety deposit box 
that allegedly contained this information in Paradise Valley, Arizona. Well, I'm not a I'm not a typical ufologist. What do you think I did? I FOIA'd FBI. Give me the, yeah. the, the name, the raid. Give me the information. Give me what you found. They wrote back. We cannot release information on another. And I'm paraphrasing, folks. And I have COVID brain, so bear with me. Yeah, we yeah. cannot divulge information on another um, citizen, private information. Nor can we can we divulge the information of the contents of the of the raid. And at the bank in Paradise Valley, Arizona, I'm like, they just, they just said they did it, you know, and we know we did it because we have people that remember the infamous bank raid in the newspaper. I've talked with, with two or three people from Paradise Valley, one of them a pro wrestler, believe it or not. I remember that in the newspaper. Okay. I guess it was a big deal. So we have things verifying this, this memo, um, that, that, uh, that I, could have never imagined in a million years that this would possibly be, you know, true. So now to verify the sure. S2, S4, we go to Rick Doty. And I know he's an, an intelligence, counterintelligence agent. And he said, look, I don't know much about the film. He said, but I can tell you S2 Alpha is real. That is where, that is where people check in to go to S3, S4, or the levels beneath S2 Alpha. He said, I was the counterintelligence person at S2 Alpha. I was never down in S4. I can't tell you what happened in S4. He goes, but there were not beans at S4, John. The beans were at housed, housed, he said, at S2 Alpha. And that was the alien housing containment. So people are making fun of me on the internet, on YouTube, in a chat room. And all of a sudden, a Sergeant Michael Munoz, Master Sergeant Michael Munoz, pops in to the conversation. And he writes an essay about Papoose Lake, S4, S2, John Stewart is correct. Rick Doty's telling the truth. How do I know? I was there. Here's how you do this. Here's how you order a, a wall clock. I'm not lying to you. Here's how you order a wall clock. Here's how you get in a dignitary. Here's here's the security. Um, here's the security steps you take for taking out the trash. I mean, it was unbelievable. People were like, and I'm like, I don't believe this is happening. He's giving specifics so on that. the actual facility that you can that you can vet and check to make sure he knows what he's talking about at the very least. That's correct. And I and I sent his his I sent he sent me a um I'm sorry, DD fourteen. Something that's like your your um papers, like your where they sent places. Yeah. I sent everything he sent me uh on the YouTube chat and on the emails that he sent me because he followed up. And I sent it to Doty. Doty's like, this, this is for this is verbatim, verbatim, John. This is he's this guy's got everything, everything correct. He talks about Yankee White security designation as far as uh, as far as a dignitary was concerned. So like, this is pretty incredible. This is you know, um, and so now the special effects guy calls me back. He said, I, I saw your film again. I analyzed it again. He goes, something's really a head shaker. I'm like, what's that? He goes, John, every foam latex doll, animatronic doll made since the 60s has creases under the armpit. I'm like, okay, why? He's like, well, during the drying process, about three-fourths of the way through, you let the arms drip, dry, uh, droop down. And in that drying process, it forms creases. He sends me like 30 examples of animatronic and, and foam dolls in movies. And you see the crease. He's like, there's a head scratcher. Your doll has no crease. Your alien has no crease. He goes, John, I'm not saying it's not an animatronic doll. 
he goes, but this is not something that someone made in their garage. This, you know, um, now somebody comes over where one of the shoulders looks deflated on the beam. So I sent that to him. I sent that even to a skeptic, an FX skeptic. And they said, it looks like it's a shadow mimicking, like, like, like it was just like a piece of material that the arm was, you know, because you see the full body in, in a couple of shots, when the medic shines the light on the thorax region of the alien, you see the okay. arms, you see the thorax, thoracic region of it. And I, another thing I want to say is we're talking about the effects and special effects. The film originally, and I think I sent you a picture, was when Victor gave the yep. film over, it had this bluish hue. We go, boy, you're, you're doing good on this. That is the left side. You can see the, 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 yeah. the arm of the military general on the foreground on the left. It's that bluish mm -hmm. hue that, it, that originally came to Rocket. The, the production company darkened it for dramatic effect, which I think kind of lend everyone thinking immediately that it was a hoax. You know, it's a puppet. Let's keep it dark. But that's on the left, mm -hmm. the blue hue. That's how it came to Rocket Pictures. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, can we talk for a second about, like, what it would, like, because the money doesn't make sense, right? Because if you're going to produce this, it's going to cost X number of dollars, like, hundred grand, something like that. And then what did Victor get paid for this? Like 40 grand, something like that. And so can you talk a little bit about how, how that doesn't add up either? Or, uh, you know, a couple of other ufologists, a couple of other, uh, you know, people in the field um, said to me, you know, here's another thing that doesn't add up. Why? You know, why the money wasn't there. I researched that uh, the UPN network, this was on, not on Fox. This was on the UPN network, was, was an upstart struggling network on a program, a weekly program called Strange Universe. I found out about Strange Universe, trying to be a good journalist. I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just telling you how I, I just didn't take anything at face value. Strange Universe was such in financial dire that they, straights, that they could not afford to pay their crew for the first four episodes of their, of their season with the, on, the, on the UPN network. That's how much they were struggling. And we have had lowball, lowball figures of producing this, the, the, the alien, the studio, the craft catering, the sound, the physiological monitor, people in military, you know, wardrobe that were, you know, at least 60, 70, $80,000 to produce this. They also did B-roll. They did three segments of fake telepathic interviews where there was the interviewer, the scientist, and then an alien in a fake alien costume. Three of them. And then they also did location shooting. This easily was 70, 80 grand. And that's backed up by the CEO, Tom Coleman. They won't give me a, a, a roundabout. They won't give me a direct figure. We're thinking they were roundabouting 30, 35 ish. Uh, they, they, they paid to Victor. Um, so when you talk about everyone getting paid at rock, you know, rocket giving this to um, Reicher entertainment that owns strange universe rocket got paid. And then Reicher, you know, had to put this on and, and, and would get paid from the UPN network. So there was no massive profit to, to, for anyone to, to, to make any sense to, to, to film this, to hoax this. And, um, again, I, I am sitting here in 2023, not one person, government Hollywood ufologist with credible, irrefutable evidence has ever come forward in 30 years to say that this is to prove that this is a hoax. Now, people, oh, it's been proven. No, it's not been proven a hoax. There was a, a, a person, Stephen Cambia, truth seekers, great guy. He's an ardent skeptic. He 
busting all these UFO people about lies and whatnot. And I respect him. But he glibly said, oh, yeah, somebody said that Bob Dean had the same tie as Victor. It was Victor. Bob Dean was Victor. And Jeff Broadstreet was asking the questions. He's the same person that was answering him under voice distortion in our documentary. We take Jeff Broadstreet's voice and we take the undistorted Victor voice. It's nowhere near. It's actually more like Bob Lazar, if anything. We showed Robert Dean's tie. It's a thick yellow stripe. Victor had a thin silver stripe. So all of this, you know, it's like people are terrified that this is could be true. All of this, this uh, Mandela effect, oh, that's been proven a hoax. No, it's not. And then the person that created the alleged alien uh, animatronic or puppet, you know, when somebody said, well, it could be, it's a hand puppet. I know it's a hand puppet made with dragon skin, special effects, uh, latex. And then you see that and, and the mouth opens and closes. It's got the rusting bitch face at one point, the bottom lip. You can't even, you can't, and then I look at the video today and you can't even get your hand. The, the alien's mouth, the chin is so narrow. And not only does he open his mouth, the eyebrow, the, the eyebrow ridge the, on the, around the ocular circuit goes up and down in millimeter movements. You put that in. Why would you do that on a film that, you know, that people were really, really going to analyze or had the ability to analyze back in 1996. So nothing is making sense. A couple of things but I just wanted to touch forward. on there, if you don't mind. No, not at all. Bob Dean had, uh, I don't know, 30, 40 year career in ufology. There's no way he was going to throw it down the drain by, by being part of no. a hoax. So that's, no. that's not real. Um, no. And then the other thing is, um, so just, I want to go back to Victor real quick, if we can, because I know Victor came out three different times, um, oh, which is, which is mysterious. I mean, he's a mysterious character anyway, but it's mysterious that he comes out in 1997 and then only does Art Bell, I think in the same year. And then 11 years later comes out one and final time, right? Um, yeah. 10, 10, 11, 96, he came to rocket. Oh, eight, he comes out and they go up on the Santa Monica Hills. And interview him in which uh, is Jeff Broad Street CRV. Which is just, which is just, it's weird to me that that someone would do that, only get paid a certain amount of money when the production of this is going to be, you know, eighty ninety thousand dollars, probably on the cheap end, uh, to do it right. Exactly, and I, you know, the, I know the psychological makeup of Victor because I've talked to so many people. I hold a degree in counseling psychology, so I. You know, I, 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 I know people, <laughs> I, I know they're, I, you know, I know psychology enough to analyze someone even at a distance and I get Victor, you put your name, your reputation, your potentially your life on the line for a minimal amount of money back in 1996, you have all of these UFO people. It's real. It's hoax. And, and like he says in the follow-up documentary where he claims he was dying. He had months to live that everyone's saying yes or no, it's real or it's not, but no one's doing any follow-up, no FOIAs, nothing. And he just couldn't believe that and that's after the problem. putting his life and career on the line, not one person decided to do a real um, uh, uh, expose, find out who he was, um, find out the provenance. Uh, you know, there's, there, there's one person in Europe that analyzed the film, but all they, all the, you, they, he did We'll see little movements. That's still not proving if that's animatronic, human, or that's from the beam. So I'm really the first person that has come forward and done this comprehensive investigation um, about Victor, the film, the men in the film. And, and um, 
And I have not kept this secret. I've taken this list to several ufologists. One of them, Linda Mullenhauer, who said, look, I can't believe things like this almost trumps the Wilson memo or the, the MJ-12 documents. This is Linda Howe's comment to me. I said, why? She said, you have living people on this list that can be wikipedia and Googled, and you have contacted two of them. You've contacted a widow. She's like, John, in ufology, and no one knows these names, John. This, these aren't retreads. You, you can quote, you have gold here. So when she said that to me, I made an appointment, believe it or not, with the New York Times. Very quick story. And about an hour and a half into our meeting where I was laying out this investigation, Ralph Blumenthal went, stop, stop. We believe you. So he's like, you did a great job. And that's job. Ralph Blumenthal and Leslie King you were talking that's to, correct. right? That's correct. This right. was August of At the New York Times. Sure, that's clear. So, yes, sir. We met at the Midtown Manhattan August of 2022. And they said, look, we can't take this to the New York Times. They're going to laugh us out of the building. An alien retention. We've got a film. We need a government employee to come forward. I'm like, well, nice meeting you. And I'll never see you again because it's never going to happen, right? Six months later, yeah. now, right after that meeting, I take my investigation back to uh, Representative Gallagher in Wisconsin because he did the NADA, NDAA whistleblower amendment. I fly to Washington, okay, take my packet to Tim Burchett, who was going to head up the first committee on it. And, you know, four months later, after I'm going around Congress, handing out these pictures and an investigation, lo and behold, David Grush comes forward. And what does he do? He tells the exact same story that I have been telling people, that the government has extraterrestrial biological beings. They have their craft. They've reversed engineered the biological material, the flight suits, the avionics, the weapon system, or, yeah. you know, or the, the, the life support system, the metallurgy. And this is when my wife stood up and went, oh, and the United States government has murdered people to keep this secret. And that's what my wife said. You are going back to Congress and you're going to find somebody to give legitimacy to your investigation that, hey, John Stewart was here. This is what he handed over, kind of to hide in the public. And when David, you know, a government agent with acute appearance tells you people were murdered for this, um, scares you, scares you. So I'll, I'll just go real quick. So another thing yeah. that, um, you know, every, everybody knows David Grush, right? But one thing people maybe don't know as much about is, you know, uh, Colonel Carl Nell has basically validated everything he has said. And Colonel Carl Nell is not some, not some mid-level government official. He is a, he is a person who would be in position to know. Um, so if anybody, right. I can put a link for an interview with, um, that somebody did on him. Um, but he's coming out and saying it. And th there's your proof right there. So anyway, go ahead. I just wanted to, uh, you know, I, I like honoring my hosts uh, with, with bombshells. And so I also get a contact with the National Air and Space Intelligence Center. This is not David Grush. We all thought it was. He's an agent with the NAISC in Bright Pat. And I, again, have a great e email with him. Then we finally speak on the phone right before Thanksgiving. And so I'll give you a big bombshell. Um, he said, look, I'm going to tell you something that I have never seen on the Internet. Not any ufologist has ever put this on the Internet anywhere. This is nowhere. I'm going to give it to you. I'm like, oh, wow, a gift right before Christmas. He said, John, the, there's a new designation of extraterrestrials with inside, you know, the government program, inside the no, he said. And I said, okay, um, thank you. What is it? He said, it's saber, like a sword, S-A-B-E-R. So I'm telling your, your viewers, the new 
official designation by those in the know, with subcontractors and in the government people in this program, is a saber, synthetic astrobiological extraterrestrial races. That is the new designation of these of these beings um, in in the program. So um, I don't know why that's not floating around more on the internet. I think that's that's bombshell news. You know, in 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 uh, parallel with the uh, with the Thomas Wilson memo. And when this whole list of names comes out of my documentary, I think this is going to blow, you know, the MJ 12 documents out of the water. Um, my only fear is I don't want these men to be, you know, I have CNN trucks outside their condos or their homes or businesses. And so I struggle with that, but um, they've done nothing wrong. And I think I've been continually to being helped by people in the know in these programs or retired agents uh, because I'm trustworthy. I won't give up, you know, my inside sources. And and because I've never attacked the military, I get this. We first got this information in 47 at the at the height when Stalin, we still didn't know what Stalin was going to do with, with the Soviet Union. Was he going to spread communism over Europe? We We had the bomb. They didn't. I understand the need for secrecy completely. The cat is out of the bag. You know, uh, nothing ever hides forever. And I just want to say, and I've said this all the time, as far as the government, I respect those that have had to keep this secret. It's an awful thing to be foisted upon you in your career. But I just want to help the government be one of the people, help the government to come out of the closet with the extraterrestrial issue. The secrecy is starting to mock our citizenship and to, uh, and to belittle our loyalty as American citizens. And it's got to end. Do we need... Every single secret of the extraterrestrial program, no. Do we need confirmation that they've been coming here for a long time? Um, and, and obviously, they're, they're, they're not meeting any malicious intent. Yes. And I think it's time. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I've thought about this before we did this interview, John, and I was like, you know what? John is probably the perfect guy to talk about this piece of footage. Um, because you are very personable, you're not intimidating at all. You you, you tell it how it is, um, and this is such a, a dynamite piece of footage that most people won't even touch it, right? Because it's it's no. too much, and it seems like in today's ufology, everything is about slow disclosure, right? You know, we'll we'll send out a picture here, we'll tell people that UFOs are real, but don't talk about biologics that much, you know, or or maybe they can't, or whatever the reason is. It's like a slow process. And, and here you are with this piece of footage that has been around since 1997. It's done the rounds on the internet. Most people say one of two things. It makes me feel uncomfortable, which I'll admit it makes me feel uncomfortable. I don't know if it's real or not. Or they just outright say, this is BS. It's a total hoax. And I'll say one more thing before I get throw it back to you. Um, in the last time we saw Victor in 2008, he came across upset that nobody actually was doing an investigation to prove him wrong. He wanted people to dig in. He wanted people to say, prove me wrong, you, which I think is very interesting. And, um, and I applaud you for that. Yeah, he's, um, so. uh, you know, the internet keyboard warriors condemn me for getting personal and stuff like this on podcasts, but uh, looking right. for Victor for five years has changed me in ways I can't even, I never could, I never could imagine, you know, um, I found out the depths of my tenacity, 
Um, I never was a person that was uncomfortable with being uncomfortable. And I always tell people if I would have been comfortable with being uncomfortable, you know, like going to people asking for money or, you know, knocking down doors, I would have been governor of Illinois by now. And, And I'm finally at a stage in my life where I'm comfortable with being uncomfortable. And that's how I got success with this. But this this uh, pendactic, um, not so nice scientist has changed my life. Um, I'm the happiest I've ever been. Uh, and, and I don't say that he knew, you know, searching for him would produce these results. I'm just telling you the after effects of this investigation. And um, I, I think when the documentary comes out next year, that, uh, that, that this is going to, this is going to change the world as one retired official of the Vatican, I'm really choosing my words here, told me in Cuba, in Havana, in broken English and uh, Spanish, uh, I'm I'm sorry, in broken Spanish with Parkinson disease, you know, if you can prove that this film is correct and this is real, you have the most important historical document in human history. Could you, could we argue with them? And he said, if so unless someone comes with a VHS tape of the parting of the Red Sea or a Polaroid of Jesus being crucified, you prove this film correct and is authentic, you're holding the most important historical document in human history. So there's uh there's pretty impactful things that are coming down the down the pike. And uh we're not attacking the government. We just wanna let's get this all out and let's open the open. I hope this brings the country together. I I think it will. And um we need to move on as a as a country, as a planet, you know, as a, uh, as a, a complete society, it's we're used. on this little rock going a thousand miles an hour in this universe. I mean, when you really get down to it, you know, it's, um, it's more than just bashing someone over the head for a $10 toaster at Black Friday at Target. I mean, I'm glad, yeah. but that is the truth. And I'll just say one more thing before, before we wrap it up here, if you want, yeah. um, you know, I, I agree that the government doesn't need to tell us everything. There's obviously national security involved. I don't think anybody's advocating for that, but I think the idea that we're not alone, that we've never been alone, um, that general idea, I think should be kind of general knowledge by this point. And I think that it needs to step up here. And it seems like we're heading in that right direction. Um, The government's certainly making plays right now. If anyone's paying attention, they're making plays to kind of bring this out. So, um, and I think you're doing your part. I think you're doing a great job. And I just want to thank, thank you, you for, for taking your time today. And um, yeah, is there anything else you want to leave us with? Tell people how they can find you, how they can help the investigation, anything like that? Yeah. I, 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 one thing that I wanted to bring up too was uh, so many intelligence and military people said, you're never going to have the government say, we don't know what's in our skies. And the day that I heard that, I think it was on a, a, a Pentagon uh, press conference, I fell off my chair. That That was like the... I can tell your viewers like the most inside, like a dead man switch of, oh, it's coming. It's coming was the day the government said, we, we don't know what that is. So I'll leave you with that. But uh, yeah, I, I, anybody that would like to contact me about this investigation, we've been getting a uh, swamp with people. Hey, my dad did this. Let me put you in contact with them. I know this, you know, it's, it's been great. I'll just give you my email. It's John J O N A L A N S T E W A R T at AOL.com. Yes, I still have AOL. Uh, John Allen Stewart at AOL.com. I don't know if you want to put it in post-production on the bottom. Uh, please feel free to email me. Yeah. You know, um, I know I'm bald. I know I'm chubby. Uh, I know I was a bad guy in wrestling, so you don't have to email me. 
you know, I've had some very bizarre emails, you know, talking about what I did to Sergeant Slaughter in 1990. Okay, I, I get it. But if there's anybody that's serious about this investigation or if you want to have a comment about it, um, I'm, op- I'm, I'm all, all ears. And uh, I'm very good about answering people's emails back. So email back. So I, uh, I I welcome anybody that has any information or comments about this investigation. And thank you for having me on. Well, you're very welcome, John. And um, uh, you know, it's great to have you here. Wish you best of luck. Can't wait to see the documentary. And um, you have a great day. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you like this content and you want to see more like it please hit that like button and that subscribe button. It really helps out the channel.